Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Ladies Who Punt is brought to you by Inglis. Inglis has had over a century of turf champions go through their sales rings. And now with their pink bonus series, there has never been a better time for women to join in on the fun of racehorse ownership. That's right, Grace. With the bonus prize money up for grabs, the Pink Bonus Series is a great initiative to get more women involved in racing, making Inglis a fabulous partner to ladies who punt. We can't thank them enough for supporting our podcast and the representation of women in the racing media. Field is ready. They're racing in the Oaks. Hello and welcome back to Ladies Who Punt. We are the podcast that aims to decode the sport of horse racing one topic at a time and we are back from our little freshen up. My name is Fiona Blair and with me is my co-host Grace Ramage. Hello Grace. Hello Fee and hello everybody listening into another episode of Ladies Who Punt. Yes we have had a little bit of a freshen up um, but we are back and looking forward to getting stuck into some New topics that we'll be decoding over the coming weeks and in particular we've got a very special guest on today's episode and it's somebody that we will be hearing and seeing a lot more of in the future and I can't wait to get into it Fee. Yeah she's certainly a rising star and I feel very privileged that she joined us on Ladies Who Punt and she's going to help us tackle the topic of jump outs and trials. We've obviously had an episode on training with Natalie Young. We did that pretty early on in the series, but now we wanted to interview another female trainer about jump outs and trials specifically. And so today we are joined by new trainer, Lucy Yeoman. So exciting. I know it's so exciting because it was announced not too long ago that Lucy would be uh, leaving her job at Kiramara and David Eustace's training operation as an assistant trainer to now be a trainer in partnership with Lloyd Kennerwell. So uh, we're going to see her obviously take up this new venture, the start of the new racing season, which is August 1. And it's just a fantastic next step for Lucy, who you might have seen a lot of in the past, but you'll be seeing a whole lot more of her. And I just think that um, she's a great example of somebody that just, you know, is striving to be better and, and continue to take the next step. And that's exactly what she's doing here. And I think she's only going to keep doing it. So excited to hear from Lucy and to find out all about her. And as you say, Fee, decode the topic of jump outs and trials. So Grace, before we get into that interview, I think we better just cover some real basics of jump outs and trials because that's what we're here to do. Part of Ladies Who Punt is uh, decoding things and making things really easy to understand. So for people who just are race day attendees and, and not heavily involved with the sport, they might not be very aware of what jump outs and trials are. Could you give us just a really broad definition of these two types of training tools. Yeah, absolutely. So if you hear of somebody say that this horse has had a jump out or this horse has had a trial, what that means is essentially 
like a race simulation. It's mm. not a race because you're not actually running for any sort of prize money, but it is a race simulation whereby a field of horses get together um, to start through the barriers and run over whatever distance it might be, 800 metres, 1,000 metres, 1,200 metres, 1,400 metres. You won't see at the end of the jump out or the trial the horse being asked to give his supreme effort because it is purely for fitness. Most of the times you'll see horses using the jump out or the trial as the step before they actually go to the races for their first start for the campaign. So it's probably at about 80% like fitness in terms of getting ready to go race fit by the time you get to your first start you're pretty much ready to go so a jump out or a trial is a race simulation so it all looks the same but you won't see the jockeys you know getting to work at the end of the race normally and it's for no prize money it's purely used for fitness or for mentally freshening up horses giving them that stimulation of that race experience I think the other point too, Grace, is with the with the young horses, very educational, isn't it? Just getting Absolutely. them out in that environment, um, on you know, transported around, and you know, giving them a taste of that race day feel before they get to the track. Because I can imagine if they went straight to the track, that would be. Um, rather bamboozling for them yeah in the life of a young horse every step is a bit like oh what is this something new imagine them imagine them when they jump out of the barriers with six other horses like oh wow this is this is new again so yeah better to do that before you actually line up for prize money (laughs) well thank you so much for that uh great overview um i think all we have to do now is get into our interview with lucy so let's get straight into it well we are so lucky to have as our special guest on the episode this week to interview and learn a little bit more about because it's a name we're going to be hearing a lot more of in the future lucy yeomans thank you so much lucy for being a part of ladies who punt today and tell us a little bit about what you've been up to in the last few weeks because i can see on my screen that you're looking very tanned (laughs) firstly yeah thank you very much for having me on i'm I feel honoured. I, I feel, um, yeah, it's very exciting. I'm all for women supporting women, so I'm very happy to be on the show. And, um, yeah, I'm lucky you just got back two days ago from the Maldives, so mm-hmm. the tan wow. is deep and I'm very <laughs> relaxed and happy. So this is my first bit of business since returning to Australia. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, we're honoured to have you on. Um Thank you so much again, as Grace said, for coming on today. And congratulations are in order for your new partnership with Lloyd Kinnewell. How are you feeling heading into the new season as a co-trainer? Really excited. I don't think it's fully sunk in yet. Um, I'm having a little break before I kick things off with Lloyd. So I don't think it's really fully sunk in, but really, really excited for the 1st of August to roll around and see my name next to Lloyd's in the race book. So, Lucy, a lot of people obviously will have heard the news because um, so many people would have recognised your name or your face at the races representing Kiramar and David Eustace, which, you know, is what we've become so familiar for seeing you at the races for, you know, the assistant trainer of a massive racing stable. Um, A lot of people will have heard the news of you departing that role and that stable to move on to the next chapter of of your career, I suppose. What we want to know is a little bit firstly about how this all came about. You know, at what point did you think I need to make a next, the next step? At what point did you think this is, you know, the next 10 years? This is how I see my career unfolding. You know, talk us through the way it all sort of transpired and, 
and how you know that all came about um yeah i've obviously been at karen's for a long time um i've had i've been lucky enough to have a couple of other trainers approach me and offer me jobs um and it just didn't really feel right um they were very credible trainers nice people um and very successful but it just wasn't really what i was after and i've known lloyd for for a long time we sort of sat together in the trainers tower at caulfield and when he approached me it just felt really right without you know still sounding corny but just felt really right and then from there it sort of happened quite organically i um obviously stewed on it for a couple of months lloyd was tearing his hair out waiting for me to give him an answer <laughs> um but it just seemed yeah like a really big decision um looking back now i know i've made the right decision um kieran and dave were really really supportive and knew probably that this time was going to come i i did see myself at kieran and dave's for a little bit longer but um I've just been doing a lot of thinking, you know, I'm getting older and I sort of wanted a better work-life balance, um, which Lloyd's smaller team will give me. Um, and also sort of, you know, ultimately being an actual trainer and, and having my name down next to Lloyd's is what got it over the line. But, um, yeah, it was a huge decision and hopefully I made the right one. Oh, I think so, definitely. And I'm really uh, keen to pick your brain about the difference between being an assistant trainer and a co-trainer. But before we get into that, could you just give us a quick overview of how you've reached this point in your career? How did you start out in the industry and what are the steps you've taken along the way? Um, I'm probably sort of a poster girl for just that working hard and sticking to it in the industry, you can get to where you want. I um, just left school, didn't want to go to uni, loved horses. Um, so started working for Colin and Cindy Alderson just on the ground. And they've pretty been a pretty big part in my career. They taught me how to, um, Cindy and but Colin as well, but more Cindy teaching me how to ride work and just everything you need to know and then um, it just progressed from there. I started writing work, um, then started working for Kieran, then became his travelling foreman and, and from there um, sort of evolved into this role after an injury at track work. I couldn't ride anymore and um, after a long time on the sidelines, Kieran was very good and just sort of didn't want to lose me but I didn't know what I was doing and then um, this position came available and I put my hand up and the rest is history really. So how long were you an assistant trainer with Kieran and Dave? Um, just short of three years mm -hmm. um, so it would be three years this year yeah um, in September so yeah probably about two and a half years but learned there was a crash course in that time <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> And do you come from a racing background or just a purely horsey background? Uh, mainly horsey. Funnily enough, my mum actually rode track work in the 80s um, in mm. Darwin, of all places. <laughs> um, but <laughs> not really a racing background apart from that. She just sort of rode track work because she liked horses. But my sister, when she left school, um, worked at Cranbourne, where I do now, which is funny, but um, she sort of, mentioned to me that it was a good way to make money and be with horses which I obviously loved so she probably opened the door for me and um, she's sort of out of the industry now but I'm still in it so come full circle. Lucy you just said before that you are a little bit of a poster girl of sort of you know if you work really hard you can end up achieving what you want to achieve. The way I see it um, when I think about you and, and your progression and just, you know, seeing your face and knowing knowing what you do is that you're extremely ambitious 
Is that a correct statement or do you feel like that's wrong? You know, when you were given the opportunity as a result of that track work injury that you sustained, couldn't ride anymore. When you were given the opportunity to rise to being assistant trainer and essentially running the Caulfield slash Cranbourne stable and now the next step of being a trainer, like have you always strived hard for that or like you know what's been your experience with that side of things that ambition being a female within the racing industry I don't think I ever had to be honest grand plans of being a trainer and that's when I first became Kieran and Dave's assistant I sort of was thinking what am I doing you know where is this going to take me but I thought if nothing else um, it's a career um, and sort of more solid in career sense, you know, the racing can be a bit sort of fickle and that people come and go in jobs. And I thought this would be very stable. Um, but I've just, yeah, I've always felt the need. I don't know if it's sort of healthy or not, but I've always felt the need to really prove myself. I don't know if that's being a female in a male-dominated industry or just me being quite competitive mm-hmm. and always sort of wanting to better myself um, for myself, you know, not really for anybody else, but... So I'm not sure if I'm ambitious or just a little bit crazy and competitive (laughs) and just sort of want to keep progressing. Um, I guess it is ambition, but the whole trainer thing just sort of happened. It it wasn't really my grand plan, but um, once, you know, I think once you start riding horses every day, you you learn the process and how they're being trained, and that definitely helped me greatly in then becoming the assistant trainer and then hopefully will really benefit Lloyd and I when we're in partnership. And for anybody who doesn't know the story, sorry, Fee, for anybody that doesn't know the story, um, the injury that you did sustain, the question I'm going to ask you, who's your favorite group one winner, Jamaica or Aloysia? Um, Jamaica, probably, yeah. I did love them both, but um, Jamaica and I had, I'd like to think a bond. I'm not sure it was a bond at all, but uh, we sort of got stuck together and we made it work. (laughs) I loved her and she was probably just very tolerant of me, but she's probably my favourite group one winner for sure. So we've just spoken about the drive that you have to become a trainer. What is it about training that is attracting you towards this career path? Um, I just, I love the horses mostly above anything else. Um, I just... I think getting up in the morning and watching the sunrise every day and working with horses is amazing. It's, yeah, it sounds corny, but we're, it's it's very lucky position to be in. But um, I just love getting the best out of the horses and helping them. Um, you know, I've said previously, I've had more joy out of getting a horse to win its maiden that we never thought would win a race than I got from, you know, Gold Trip winning the Melbourne Cup. <laughs> They're obviously different spectrums, but... Um, yeah, for me, I think the good horses are good horses and they're, you know, they're destined to do great things, but it's getting those horses that maybe aren't so gifted um, to win races because, you know, their owners are paying the same bills as the people with the, with the flashy horses. So I, I really enjoy getting horses to reach their full potential, whether that be a 58 or a group one. Yeah. <laughs> The thing I keep hearing, like when we speak to trainers or people involved in in the training model, is that like each horse is like a puzzle, right? And people enjoy it because it's like solving the puzzle to get the best out of the horse. Would, would you agree <laughs> with that statement? Yeah, they they'll break your heart. Horses, <laughs> I think um, some of them are so easy and some of them are so difficult. If yeah. they all just, if you could talk to them, definitely 
things would be easier. But um, yeah, they're like us. They've all got their different personalities. Some are ambitious and some are happy just sitting on the couch. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's definitely getting to know them and um, just getting them probably to apply themselves is I think what's the hardest thing. Mm-hmm. I have a question, Lucy, um, something you mentioned a bit earlier about wanting to achieve a bit of a better work-life balance. Um, obviously, you've come from one of the biggest stables in Australia. So in terms of the horse numbers, is that what you mean in the fact that you know now your new smaller stable will allow you to essentially just have less of everything that is required to do on a daily basis? Um, I think so. I think I was very sort of, Lloyd and I obviously had a good discussion before I came on board with him and I said to him, you know, um, obviously working for Kieran and David was fantastic, but it was sort of my job to stay behind and run Cranbourne while, you know, they went off to the interstate races and to the sales and things like that. So it's probably a side of the sport I haven't really experienced. Um, Obviously when I was travelling foreman, I went around Australia, but um, in the last few years I've sort of, you know, being the person that stayed at home and looked after the team there. So Lloyd's um, very keen to get me to the sales and, you know, get me to the interstate races when we have runners, which I'm really looking forward to. And just, um, you know, Lloyd's got a young family and I think of all the trainers, he seems to do it quite right and that he still enjoys life and obviously works very hard, but, you know, goes home at the end of the day and spends time with his family. And um, I'm just keen to, yeah, get away and see different places um, with the horses, but also take weeks off here and there and um, travel and just live my life a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I guess that leads into my next question, which is, can you describe to us the difference between being an assistant trainer and being a co-trainer? Um, I don't know if I can describe it really well yet because I haven't fully done the trainer side (laughs) yet. But... my my sort of vision is that um, I think it'll be much the same responsibilities, um, but it's more, you know, I always sort of had Kieran and Dave when if things got hard, you know, I could palm it off to them because they were the trainers, but now I, Lloyd and myself will be the trainers. So I'm sure Lloyd will cop a bit of the brunt for me <laughs> in the <Yeah>. beginning <laughs> and ease me into it. But obviously... And probably dealing with owners and that side of things. I obviously did do that at Karen and Dave's, but it'll be more um, people People will be wanting to speak to me, I hope. Um, whereas when I was with Kieran and Dave, ultimately they were the ones training the horses and the owners, you know, as much as I made great, great relationships and some lifelong friends with owners of Kieran and Dave's, um, ultimately, you know, Kieran and Dave are training the horses. So I think it might be a bit of a different experience, Um when they're in my name. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Lucy, do you think in terms of the partnership model, I mean, it's still something that's relatively new and especially um, new to other racing jurisdictions. You know, Australia has has had the partnership model for quite some time now, but other places haven't quite caught on to it yet. How beneficial do you think it is when it's done right? Because it really can mean that two trainers, two names in the book, sometimes even three, meaning that you can share the workload do you think that you know it's something that we're going to only see more of in the future I think yeah I think it makes sense um you know it's and it's also a chance for people like me assistant trainers to step into the role without the pressure you know I feel if I was going out on my own I think I'd be a lot more stressed than I am now because 
Lloyd's already got a solid business and he doesn't need me for his business, but, um, you know, I'm going to get a solid wage and I don't have to really worry about getting that original base, Mm -hmm. um, which has eased my stress a lot. Um, But, yeah, it's someone to bounce ideas off, talk to, sit in the office with, you know, things that, you know, you have assistant trainers and four people and things like that. But, um, yeah, like you said, it's just spreading the workload and, if you've got multiple bases and some of you need to be at, you know, different locations at the same time, then you can, you can spread it that way. So it seems to make sense to me anyway. (laughs) And Lucy, you're currently going through the process of applying for your trainer's license right now. Could you shed some light for us on what that process involves? How do you become a trainer? It's, it's quite tedious. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of hoops to jump through, which is to be expected. Um, so once, um, you know, you have to sort of have proof of working in the industry for a certain amount of time. So to become an assistant trainer, you have to do some sort of educational learning. And then it's the same to be a trainer. You, there's a lot of sort of almost comprehension questions, book works that you read and answers that you then submit and it's I've probably been doing it luckily I sort of had the forethought which is remarkable for me because I'm normally not that organized with things regarding myself (laughs) um I sort of started it over a year ago so by the time the job offer came to me I'd done all the paperwork and submitted it but the you then um have to still apply to be a trainer um so I had to do that and you know the process of that is you need to give bank statements and have a credit score, a police check, a working with children check. Like the amount of checks that you have to have is unbelievable. But um, mine was also significantly less because I'm going into a partnership. Um, I don't have to prove, you know, how I'm going to pay my staff or where my horses are going to be and who my vets are and all those things. But it's just a lot, lots of boxes to be checked. Um which thank God um, I left so Lloyd and I left so much time because <laughs> it's gonna gonna take. I thought it'll all be done in a month, but um, it, I think it'll be right up to the wire to the first of August to get us signed off. But wow. um, lot, yeah, lots of hoops to jump through, but hopefully it'll be well worth it. So, what are a tricky question? Some of the things that you are most excited about in this next chapter of your career, and what are some of the things that make you the most nervous um i'm just really excited to work with new horses and a new team and with lloyd obviously lloyd has a way of doing things and i have a way of doing things and i think um just to see us come together you know lloyd's very excited to take on my ideas and obviously it's it's his business so i'm going to also take on his ideas so i think hopefully um we'll be able to really get into a groove and find what works um excited yeah for the new horses new staff a smaller team new owners and um i can't wait for my our first runner and then hopefully not in the not too distant future first winner together yeah and what about the things that are making you feel a little bit nervous you know is there anything that you feel is particularly daunting or are you feeling pretty good about the whole thing i feel good about it i feel um nerves about um you know, I want to come in and help Lloyd and I want it to blossom and I want us to get lots of winners and have heaps of success. I feel nervous about me joining him and things declining. 
hope everyone will be like, God, he was he was flying until Lucy joined. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty nervous about that, to be honest. So there's, a, there's definitely a bit of pressure there to deliver results. I, I feel like there's probably not pressure, but I've put a lot of pressure on myself. Yeah. And I just want things to just, I just want us to be airborne. <laughs> but the chances, of, chances I, of that happening are probably slim, but um, hopefully nothing goes worse. Anyway, if we just keep going how Lloyd's going, we'll be fine. And hopefully nothing um, declines, but... Apart from that, I'm not obviously. I'm you know I don't want to come in guns blazing and, and offend Lloyd and offend the staff and change everything. But Lloyd's very open to sort of you know doing sort of me doing whatever I want um, within reason. But I just want to be. I want to just sit back and watch for the first month or two and just change the odd thing here and there. He you know his staff are incredible and so is he and he's got good system in in place. But um, hopefully little thing a little bit of help from me here and there and might be successful (laughs) well that's been great to understand you and your journey better Lucy becoming a trainer it's so exciting and very inspiring to all the women who are out there like you working hard trying to make moves in this industry but now we want to move on to our topic of the day which is jump outs and trials the first thing I want to ask you about is how are jump outs and trials used by horse trainers? You know, obviously everybody, all trainers do things differently. So I'll just have to go off how sort of the people I've worked for as you have used them. But um, basically just a training tool and a fitness tool. Um, generally a horse will come in, it'll, from from how I've been ta- taught to train horses, they'll have a you know, four weeks of pre-training, four weeks of sort of slow work at the track and then four or five gallops into a jump out, two jump outs and then races is generally how I've been taught to train horses. Um, So jump outs are, um, you know, a great way to get a horse fit. You know, their adrenaline's up. It's more of a race day environment. Often you are trucking them or transporting them to a different location. All these things sort of in my opinion help to bring a horse on um they help with their fitness and their stimulation but also definitely especially with young horses it's a it's a good training tool because you know you can teach horses to gallop in pairs and on the grass but being in a trial or a jump out is like a race day environment you know they're they're amongst horses they're behind horses in front of horses often having to go through in between gaps getting kicked back in their face and it's much more of just probably a confronting situation to them when they don't know what they're doing when they're young horses if they're unraced um so yeah i think it's equal equally a training tool and a fitness tool and can you explain to us the difference between a jump out and an official trial because when we watch the replays they look very similar what are the difference between those two they're basically the same thing it's just that one is official and one is not um so in jump outs um a track rider could ride in a jump out there's sort of no numbers given um you don't have to wear your colors and it doesn't if a horse wins a jump out it doesn't sort of go on their official record but in an official trial, everything's recorded. Um, jockeys have to ride the horses. They wear numbers. It's all, you know, timed and available for viewing, even though sort of all jump outs are pretty much available for viewing these days anyway. Um, and how they run in an official trial is on their record. So 
they're the same things. It's just sort of one is recorded officially and, and one sort of flies under the radar. That's a great explanation. That really clears that up for me. <laughs> <laughs> what about, Lucy, um, instead of a jump out or an official trial being used to get a horse fit, you know, sometimes we'll see that a horse might be, let's say, a month between runs and has been back to the jump outs or the trials in between. You know, why would a trainer elect to use um, that tool, as you said, at that particular point? Just as a refresher almost, you know, um, something I learned very well from Kieran and Dave, they're sort of very good at giving their horses time in between runs, but using a jump out as a tool in between. It's just more effective, I think, at getting a horse fit and bringing them on than a gallop. As I said, it gets their adrenaline up and it's a race day environment. And also just things like refreshing them out of the barriers, seeing how they recover and and comparing how they've gone to other horses in the trial um, or jump out. You know, if you're in a jump out heat with group one winners and your horse holds its own with them, then you, you it's a pretty good gauge that they're going pretty well. But I've always thought if, you know, if you're a smaller trainer and you've only got one one good horse and you're galloping them with lesser horses and it's really hard not to get overexcited with how they're going because, you know, they're putting lengths on your other horses that might, you know, might all be, haven't even won a race yet. So, you know, it's a, it's a good tool and gauge to see how they're going. You described earlier the model that you've been taught on training horses, the four weeks of base work, five week, five gallops into a first jump out or trial when the when horses go for their first jump out or trial before their first up run what are the things that you are looking for that indicate your horse is going in the right direction um, to go on and run in a race yeah it's obviously um, very dependent on the horse and what distance it runs over and sort of where it's at in its preparation you know a horse may have done the four gallops of how I've been taught to train horses, but it still may be a little underdone. It still may be a, a little bit fat or, um, you know, not going that well. And you'll often use the trial to bring the horse on. Um, sometimes they need that sort of stimulation to enthuse them, especially sort of the lazy colts and things that haven't learned their craft yet. But um, often, yeah, from how I've trained horses with Kieran and David is their first trial, you won't ask them to do a lot. Um, often, you just want to keep the horse on the bridle and sort of doing it under their own steam. Um, and then their, their second jump out, which generally we would do a gallop in between, so it's two weeks later, you'll then um, ask for an improved effort. But, um, yeah, generally we, we would just keep them on the bridle and just let them do it all naturally, um, obviously unless they're being very lazy or something like that. But um, just have them do it over their own steam and then let the trial bring them on naturally. And then generally um, in two weeks' time when you trial them again and you ask them for more of an effort, they're, they're really happy to because, you know, you've, you, you haven't pestered them, made it happen. They've done it all naturally and they're happy in themselves and the natural fitness improvement. Um, so you're just looking... Yeah, for how they conduct themselves and also their recovery. If they're having a really big puff, then you might think we might have done a bit too much too soon and you really have to be guided by the horse. And then the next question that I have in terms of getting a horse ready for their first up run, do you use jump outs and trials differently for horses that that will be racing over different distances? So is there a different strategy for sprinters versus stayers? Yeah, definitely. Um, sprinters, obviously, you know, it's not so much about getting sprinters fit. They 
the amount of work they do day to day is enough to get them fit. They're obviously only running short, sharp distances. They're the type, you know, um, anyone that's sort of been around sprinters and stayers, sprinters often have a very big puff, you know, they short and sharp and exert themselves, but stayers often will run 2000 meters and not blow a candle out because then that's, that's how they're built and, and how they're trained. But, you know, sprinters often will give them cover, which, you know, you want a horse in front of them, get them to switch off and then hit the line. Um, depending on the horse, you know, some horses like say cool and Gatta, for example, who trialed the other day, just jumps and runs. And once you know, that's how she is, you just let her do it. Um, but the stayers more often the trials, you know, it, we're very lucky at Cranbourne. We trial over all different distances, but the farthest distance is 1,400 metres. Um, a horse like Gold Trip, for example, he he never won a jump out. Um, I drove him all the way to Albury and he didn't, didn't even win at Albury. <laughs> um, so you have to be mindful of that. Sometimes we say is you don't know the horse you've got until you get them up over a trip. They can be very hard. Um, it's, you know, sprinters are often quite obvious there. They're obviously fast, but stayers sometimes you're not sure until you run them over 2,000 metres plus sort of what type of horse you've got. So it's tricky. Yeah, another horse I remember that I don't think ever won a jump out, might have won one, was Winks. She won an <laughs> awful lot of races though, that's for sure. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so my last question, Lucy, about jump outs and trials. Now, there's a lot of um, chat about jump outs and trials and, and people dissecting them in the racing media to try and find winners on race day. What would be your tips for someone who wants to find a winner on Saturday and they're going through the jump outs and trials? What should we look for? What do you think are the physical signs that a horse is in good form in their jump outs and trials? I think the the main thing I would look for is is how how they conduct themselves in the trial. You know, if they're if they're on the bridle cuddled up and um, just hitting the line and held together, and still sort of in the first half of the trial, then that's definitely something you have to notice. If they win the trial, in my opinion, and they're off the bridle, getting you know slapped up, it's often they have trialed worse than the horse that's two or three lengths behind them held together mm. but it, it again it, it's tricky because some horses are lazy and, and need to be told to let down whereas others are very natural and can do it held together so I would also I think what other horses are in the trial if you can do the form of the horses around it in the trial and if they're proven then it's it's a very good sign but you know if you're in like two-year-old tries for example how can you tell something might win by five but they might all be not much good behind it. And also mm-hmm. the t- the time they run, obviously, something can win a trial by five lengths and run a very slow time and, and the whole field may be no good. So mm-hmm. I'd say time, how how they're held together and what's in the trial they're really, <laughs> would be um, my three things. Yeah, that, that's three great tips. And are there any no-nos? Like is there anything we can look for in a trial where we go, oh, that one's not quite ready? Um, not really. I think, um, you know, if they're, if they're tailing off and not, not solid through the line, they might, may just not be fit enough, but they also may sort of not be overly genuine. And once it gets a bit hard, they might just sort of put up the white flag. But, um, I, you know, also you can say things about blinkers and, and winkers and headgear and things, but, you know, some horses need the blinkers. It doesn't mean that, doesn't mean they're not a good horse. So, um, I would just say horses that are tailing off, 
is is a bad sign. But again, if they have trialled since then, you know, if you watch their first trial and they tail off, you'd expect to see improvement in their second trial and that would be a good sign. But um, it, it's a tricky one. We'd all be rich if it were that easy from watching trials. <laughs> <Yes. and hunting. laughs> That's very true. But thank you so much for those tips. They're really good to, to go on with. <laughs> Now, Lucy, we here at Ladies Who Punt are particularly excited about you because you are a new female trainer in our Victorian racing industry, in the Australian racing industry. And that is what we are all about. (laughs) We love this. So what we want to know um, is, you know, so far from your everything you've experienced, how do you feel about being a female in this, you know, powerful position um, what you have already gone through to what you see yourself doing in the future. You know, how does it, how do you feel about it? Do you feel really good about it? Um, you know, what's been your experience so far and what do you feel going forward, if that makes sense? Yeah, I feel good. To be honest, I hadn't thought about it too much. We've obviously got some great women in the industry, um, trainers and jockeys and the such. And I've always thought as a whole, racing's quite inclusive. I do think like, like all sports, we've got a long way to go. Um, you know, I still get checked my badge every time I walk through a gate at the races because I've mm. got a dress on and I don't look like the men's in, the men in the suits. Um, so that type of thing can be frustrating. But, you know, we are all up there with the men. Women ride with men. Phillies race colts and geldings. I think it's all, it's all quite even. Um, so I think the industry is great. But as I said, it, it's got a long way to go. Um, but yeah, I guess I feel now you've mentioned it, I feel quite proud to be a, be a female trainer soon, you know, the 1st of August. It'll be be exciting. Um, but I think there's there's amazing women in the industry, you know, track riders, stable hands, vets, mm. jockeys, farriers. There's any role there's female in. You know, you can see female barrier attendance now that you wouldn't have seen 10 years ago. So um, the industry is definitely realising that women are just as capable as the men and mm. um Hopefully there's plenty more female trainers that that follow on after me. <laughs> and that's great to hear that you haven't really thought about it because that means that you haven't felt any sort of adverse effects or, you know, you haven't at any stage felt any different. So that's what we want to hear. And you're mm-hmm. right. You just look around and, like, there are so many females that are absolutely kicking butt in whatever they're doing. So um, we're excited for you to do the same thing. I have another question for you. Is there anything that you would go back and give advice or are there any little pearls of wisdom that you would give to younger Lucy? That's a really hard question to ask you on the spot. Yes, that's heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Probably just to, to back, back yourself. Um, You know, I, I would probably just tell myself one, I think any female regardless, don't care what people think. That's just not in the industry that in you're in, that's just in life. I think we're all so worried about what people think of us, but we only all, everybody's just thinking about themselves. Nobody cares what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. I think just you do you and just speak up, have a voice. I think it's sometimes it's hard as a woman, there's that fine line between speaking up and having a voice. And then, you know, next minute you're the, you're the narky female. So it can be a little bit harder, I think, to get your point across sometimes, but I just think, you know, stuff it, say, say what you think, say what you want and be heard. Um, but, you know, I've been lucky. All the men I've worked with have been incredibly supportive. So, you know, I've, I've probably had it a lot easier than a lot of the women in the industry. But, um, yeah, my tip to myself would be 
you just do you. <laughs> That's Amazing. awesome. I love it. Well, thank you, Lucy, for that pearl of wisdom. I just love uh, your sentiments there. Be yourself. Speak up. You know, I feel I feel like a lot of women, including myself, get uh, a quite severe case of imposter syndrome sometimes. And sometimes you just got to ignore yourself and keep going. And yeah, I just think that advice really hit the nail on the head. And that's all we've got for you today. So thank you so much for giving us some of your time. Uh, we're sure that you are starting to ramp up again, getting ready to start the new season as a co-trainer at Kennewell Racing. So thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. It it, um, it means a lot. I'm honoured to be on the podcast. <laughs> we can't wait for August 1. Whoa, Lucy. <laughs> me either. I told, I told Lloyd our first run, I better be a fast one. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll be, um, we'll be following it closely. So we'll, keep, we'll be keeping an eye out for sure. No, Thanks, thank Lucy. Thank you so much. I, I really, really appreciate the support. Wow, Grace, so great to have Lucy on the podcast. We love sitting down with ladies like Lucy. We love putting a microphone in front of them and getting their knowledge and their stories out into our listeners' ears, but also just our ears. I mean, we do this for like rather selfish reasons sometimes. Yeah, um, absolutely. What did you think of our what did you think of our chat with her? Yeah, it's so exciting. I cannot wait to see what Lucy does. Um like I know she's going to be so successful and she's just going to be an amazing ambassador for any other female, you know, young girl might be looking at Lucy saying, "I'm going to be her one day." And I just feel like that is incredible. So we'll be cheering on all of Lucy and Lloyd's horses, no doubt about it. Yeah, especially because, you know, when she was telling us about how she got to this point in her career, like she's not from a racing family. And I feel like just to find trainers who are not sort of born into the sport is quite rare. So she's got that as well as being female. It's just like, it's incredible to see her come into this industry and have so much success and she's, you know, relatively young still, so I can't wait to see what she goes on to do. Okay, Grace, well, that's all we've got time for this week, and we will be back with you all next week for another fresh episode. Hope you enjoyed this one, and please remember to follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can find us on socials, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it as well. That would be really helpful. But until then, guys, we will catch you next week. 